You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, uh, everybody. I'm Pastor Danny. If you're new to Bayshore, glad you're here this morning. Amazing worship this morning. Wouldn't you agree with that? Such a great time of worship. Just great time and worshiping the Lord, God's presence here. So glad you're with us today. We want to say a big hello to Femke Allen right now that's joining us right now. Give Femke Allen a big hand. Thank you guys for being with us right now. And everybody online. We got some campers out there listening to us in the campground, and we got people all over the place in different states that are listening to us, and we're just so honored to have you uh, joining in here with Bayshore this morning. You picked a great uh, time to be here because we are starting a new series today called Showdown in Egypt, and the next six or eight weeks we're going to be talking about what happened between Moses and Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, a really, really interesting story about trying to get out of your bondage, trying to get out of you're stuck and this is just a great great uh, section of scripture and so we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus and so if you want to read in that in your devotions a little bit get a little background that'd be great but we're going to begin today in the first part of Exodus and Exodus is begins with a problem there's a problem that is in the first chapter of Exodus and actually the reason that the children of Israel were in Egypt in the first place was because there was a problem. So today we're going to be talking about problems. If you have a problem in your life today, this text is going to be helpful to you. So let me read a little bit of it. And it's in Exodus chapter 1. Uh, we'll go through uh, about verse 14, 1, chapter 1, verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob. Each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, the descendants of Jacob, number 70 to all. Joseph was already in Egypt. And then verse 6, now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king... Who, whom Joseph meant nothing came with power to Egypt, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous if war breaks out. We'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom, Ramses, and the store cities of Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked, worked them ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick, mortar, and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all, in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So this is a great, great text of Scripture, and it talks about uh, what to do when you're in a big problem. 
and when you're really having a difficult time. Now, if you know any Israelite history at all, this story about, you know, the children of Israel being in, uh, in Egypt is very familiar to a lot of people. If you saw the Ten Commandments, you know, years ago, saw that, and you understand a little bit of the story. What happened was, is there was a, uh, if you read the end of, book of the book of Genesis, there was a problem in the book of Genesis at the end. There was a big famine in the region. And because there was a big famine in the region, people needed food. And so they went to Egypt in order to get food. And thankfully, there was this really sharp administrator that was already in Egypt by the name of Joseph. He just happened to be the son of Jacob, and his brothers had, were jealous of him, and they had sold him into slavery into Egypt 20 years, 20 years before the famine came. 20 years before the famine came, God sent a man to Egypt to get ready for the famine. And so what happened was that Jacob and learned that there was, you know, grain in Egypt. So he sent his boys up there and their brother Joseph revealed himself to them and they ended up moving to Egypt. Now, what happened was, is they moved to Egypt, and Jacob was an old man at this point. He had trouble, you know, he wasn't very mobile. They, uh, Pharaoh sent a cart, and the people, they put the old people in the carts, and they took them to Egypt. And Israel is going to Egypt, and there's 70 of them, 70 of them, and God provides food for them while they're in Egypt. And it's a really, really cool uh, story about God's provision before they even knew they had a problem. And so God was faithfully taking care of Israel. So through Israel would come the wonderful Messiah, Jesus, eventually. And so this is a providential story of God's hand, sovereign hand, working in the midst of taking care of these people. So they end up in Egypt, and there's only 70 of them. And they have food to eat, and they begin to prosper. And I don't know how long they intended to stay in Egypt, but they ended up standing there for 430 years. And Israel started a little tiny group of 70 people, and they began to prosper in Egypt until at this point in the story, there's about 2 million of them. And there's this sort of uh, uh, intimidation from the Pharaoh about all these Jewish people that are proliferating in the land of Egypt, and so he becomes very jealous of them and worries about them taking over. And so you can see in the story how Israel started out with 70 people, hungry, skinny people in a famine. They go to Egypt, and they stay there, and God provides for them, and they begin to grow. They begin to prosper. And God had told Abraham in the book of Genesis, Abraham is the founder of the Jewish nation. He said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Of all you, of, of you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Later on, Abraham went out of his tent one day and he said, God said to Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. And if you could count the stars in the sky, that would give you a little bit of idea of how great your nation's going to be. Another time he said, you know, look at the sand on the seashore and all the grains of sand on the seashore is going to be like your nation, Abraham. And just remember, Abraham at that point, just him and Sarah. And God began to fulfill his promise, began to fulfill his promise to the land of the, na the name of the, the nation of Israel. And this little group of people began to grow, began to prosper because God had said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. So as they're in this place of, 
uh, Egypt. They're prospering. They're being blessed. Things are going well. And so then there was a, another problem that arose where the Pharaoh wanted to get rid of all the Jewish people. So what you see in the story is how God helps us with our problems. You know, they got in Egypt because there was a problem, because there was a famine, and so it was a problem that got them to Egypt, and God had provided for them in the midst of that problem, and after they're there a while, then another problem shows up. After they prosper, then there's the Pharaoh is threatened by them, and they begin to have another problem. So in the story, what we see is how God helps us through our problems. Now, I don't know if you have many problems, but uh, I think pretty much everybody here has had some problems in their life, and some of you are in the middle of a problem right now. You're going through that, and I want to talk to you today about problems. If, you hear, if you're here today and you've ever had a problem in your life, just raise your hand, something that you didn't like. A problem is a is a, is a difficulty that you wish were not a part of your life. And all of us have things sometimes in our life that we wish were not in our life, but they are in our life. Now, here's what I want to say about problems today. First thing is, everybody has them. Everybody has them. When we're in the story of the book of Exodus, we have here this, this idea that there's two million people, uh, Jewish people in Egypt at that point, and every single one of them is being oppressed by the Pharaoh. Not some of them, but all of them. Now, here's the thing about us. When we get in a problem, we have a tendency to think that we're special and we're unique and that everybody else's life is okay. Everybody else is doing good. Everybody else has a wonderful life, and we have this horrible situation in our life. But the truth of the matter is, if you looked around this room today and everybody were to be completely honest, there are difficulties and struggles in all of our lives, and everybody has problems. Everybody has problems. Have you ever noticed how everybody else's problems doesn't seem to be that big a deal, but your problems seem to be a big deal? You know, we have a tendency to make our problems bigger than other people's problems, but everybody has problems. Everybody has difficulties. Everybody has things that they go for, go through. When I was uh, in high school, my dad's church was really growing and being prosperous, and we had a big youth group, and we had about uh, 30 or 40 kids that were in a choir. We had this choir that uh, this, uh, this director had put together, and we would sing, and the old people loved to hear us sing, and uh, we, we got really good. We got so good that the uh, high school, the local high school, invited us to sing at the public high school at Christmas time, and we sang all kinds of music. We sang Handel's Messiah. We sang all this stuff, but one of the songs that our choir director taught us was the old spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. How many ever heard that song? We sang that song, and here we are. We are teenagers, adolescents. Our parents have bought our cars. They're paying our car insurance. They're buying our clothes. We're going to school. We have, this is the best time of our life. How many know it doesn't get any easier than when you're in your high school? You can't see a big amen. It just goes down from there. And we're singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. We didn't even know what trouble was. Boy, after you live a while, you find out what trouble is. 
And I, sometimes, I, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, too, you know, judgmental or unsensitive to people. But sometimes I have really young people come to me and they talk about the little things that are going on in their life. And I know it's a big thing to them. But how many know the longer you live, the longer you're on this planet, the more stuff you go through? Everybody has problems. Would you say it with me? Everybody has problems. Not just me. Say that, not just me. One more time. Everybody has problems, not just me. When I went into the ministry a number of years ago, when I started, you know, in the ministry, you know, about 40 years ago, I had this idea, you know, after I got into this, really how hard it was. This was really hard. You get criticized. People bring all their problems to you. And, you know, you got some people that want to do this and some people that want to do that. And you're caught in the middle between all these things. And you're trying to be a sweet guy and all that. And so I thought, boy, ministry is the hardest thing in the world. It's like the hardest thing. It's a, I thought to myself, it's the hardest job that there is. That's what a 24-year-old pastor thought. But let me tell you what I've learned after time. Every profession is challenging. Can you say a big amen? How many, the vocation that you're in or the vocation that you were in, if you are retired, how many of you would say your vocation had some downsides? Just raise your hand. This had some downsides. And every vocation has some trouble. I heard, you know, but pastors sometimes say, oh, my gosh, the, the ministry is so hard. Well, life is hard. Challenge, everything is challenging. If you're a school teacher and you have parent conference meetings, that's a hard job, a hard thing to do to tell some parent that little Johnny is like not doing good in school. Or if you're a carpet layer and they don't like how you did your, your laying the carpet, every job has its downside. Everything has its difficulties. Jesus said this, in this world, you, have, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I am with you. In this world, you will have Tribulation. So that's part of, part of maturity in life is embracing the fact that we are part of this human experience where we all have difficulty. I was riding down the road the other day and I saw uh, these people out in this pasture. They had horses and they had this little buggy where they were pushing and they were picking up the horse manure in, in, the, in the pasture. I just rode by and that just caught my attention. I thought, wow. And I thought to myself, you know, I've got a lot of friends there, some friends that have horses, and I guess everybody that has a horse has to pick up the manure. I didn't never thought of that before. You know, it's great to have a horse, you know, but you never see people picking up the manure. I mean, but this is what these people have to do. And I thought to myself, you know, listen, if you're going to have a horse, you're going to have horse manure. How many know that that is a deep thought right there? <laughs> What I like to do here at Bayshore, take you to deeper places. That's what I like to do. If you got a horse, you're going to have manure. If you live in this world, if you are a human being and you go through life, you're going to have some challenges. You're going to have some challenges. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to accept that as a reality and not feel like you're isolated in the universe as some kind of special, unique person. You are a part of this human experience. We all have that. Here's what uh, the book of Job says. Job says in Job 5, 7, this is a really wonderful thing. He says, Job 5, 7 says, yet man is born to trouble. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Now, when it says yet man, it's not talking about a single man. 
It's talking about humankind. All men have trouble even as sparks fly upward. So if you build a fire and, the, and you build the fire and you got a fire pit, the sparks are always going to go up, you know, t- toward, the, uh, toward the air. You're gonna go, it's going to go upward vertically. And so Job says, just as you build a fire and the sparks always go upward, if you are in this world, if you're a human, you would be born into trouble. You have difficulty. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Now, the word temptation there, we have a tendency to read that and think it means to be tempted to do something wrong. But literally in the Greek, it means to be tested or tried. And the Net Bible has it this way. It says, no trial has overtaken you that's not faced by others. So say it with me today. Everybody has trouble, not just me. So as you mature in life, one of the things that you happen, you go through life and you get to the point where you say, hey, listen, when I'm going through trouble, I'm going through a challenge, I'm going through a difficulty, it's just not me. Everybody has challenges. Every single mother has challenges. Every father has challenges. Every student has challenges. Every person has challenges. If you've lost a loved one, someone that you are grieving over, and that is the most difficult thing anybody will ever go through in life. And I've talked to people before, and when they lose a loved one, they feel like, you know, God has let them down and all that. But let me tell you something. Everybody that lives long enough will lose somebody that you love. That's the part of the human experience. When, when, uh, when Jesus stood before Lazarus' tomb in John chapter 11, verse 37, and it says that Jesus wept, one of my favorite verses to memorize in Sunday school, Jesus wept. It's, it, you know, why did Jesus weep? It's because for that moment, Jesus was stepping into the human experience, and every time somebody cries at a funeral, every time someone loses a, a father or a mother or a brother, Jesus was identifying with that because to live in this world, you and I will experience some pain. And we need to understand that that's part of the experience that God has brought us through. So that's an incredible thing. So life has, it's difficult. Remember, you're not the only one and challenges and problems in life are universal. You're not the only one and challenges and problems in life are universal. That's an important thing. Johnny Carson, I'm sure you've heard this. Everybody's heard this. Johnny Carson, a number of years ago, how many remember Johnny Carson, the old guy on TV years ago when I was a little kid? Uh, Johnny Carson uh, read this from a, uh, uh, it was a Midwestern newspaper that says, lost dog, brown fur, some, miss- some missing due to mange, blind in one eye, deaf, Lame leg, due, leg, uh, le- lame leg due to recent traffic accident, slightly arthritic, goes by the name Lucky. That's his name. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we look at our life and, you know, we got all of these issues that are going on in our life, and yet it does not mean that God has forsaken us. God allows us to walk through the human experience. So problems, everybody has them. In the story of Exodus, the two million people simultaneously were going through that problem. Number two, God has a solution for your problem before you know you have a problem. God has a solution to your problem before you know you have a problem. That's a really interesting thing because what I think this story teaches 
is that God is omniscient about all things. God knew before a famine even came to Jacob and his family that there was going to be a famine. And so God, 20 years before a famine was even a reality, sent Joseph to Egypt to prepare for that famine because God loved those people enough to be ready for when they went through that time that they knew they weren't even gonna, they didn't even know they were going to have a hard time, that God provided Joseph in place to be there to meet the problem before the problem even was, they were aware that there was a problem. And here's the thing that you want to remember about the Lord. The Lord has a solution for your problem even before you know you have a problem. God has an answer for you. He has a way of taking care of you when you're in the middle of your problem. And so when the children of Israel were in, in Egypt, they were, before they got to Egypt, they were hungry and, and they had this enormous need and God had already put in place the solution for their problem. And God's going to take care of you when you walk through your difficulty. God's going to take care of you. You think, if, you know, what's going to happen if I, I lose a person in my life? Or what's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen, you know, if I have this scenario happen? Sometimes we play that what if story all the time. What if this happened? What if that happens? Well, if you are playing the what if scenario in your life, one of the things to remember is that your what if scenario, God already has an answer to your what if scenario. He already has an answer for you. He's already put the solution in place to take care of the need that you have. And that's an incredibly encouraging thing. It says in Psalm 105, verse 17, and he has sent, he, and he's talking about God sending Joseph, and he sent a man before them, Joseph sold as a slave. God sent before, before they got to Egypt, he sent Joseph there to meet their need. And when they're having this population explosion, and they're being persecuted by the Pharaoh, God already has a plan that's being developed. He has little Moses that's going to be put in a basket, and God has an answer for their problem even before they knew they had a problem. Here's the difference between you and God and the difference between me and God. God is omniscient. He knows the future, and he, uh, we don't know the future. I, if I ask you today, how many of you would like to know the future? Some of you would raise your hand and say, I would like to know the future. But a lot of people would say, I would not want to know the future. But God knows the future. He knows what's going to happen before it happens, and he puts the solution in place even before that situation transpires. That's a very important thing for us to remember. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. I made known the end from the beginning from ancient times, what is still to come? I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. In the book of Revelation, there's these uh, beautiful creatures that are before the throne of God. And these creatures, one looks like, a, the first part, he looks like a lion, then there's one looks like an ox, and then there's one looks like an eagle, one looks like the face of a man. And it says these creatures are covered with eyes. They have eyes all over them. They have eyes in the front and the back, and these eyes are all over these creatures. And these creatures reflect, they reflect what God is like. And God is, is the one who has all uh, insight on everything. And so he provides for us ahead of time and takes care of all of our needs. And it's always constantly taking care of everything that we have. And God is a God who knows everything. Here's, a, here's an interesting little theological uh, uh, kind of like twisted kind of way to think. This is an interesting thing. Even before God created Adam and Eve, even before Adam and Eve were created, God was aware that Adam and Eve were going to fall and sin in the garden. 
Now you say, well, why would God ever create Adam and Eve if he knew that they were going to sin? Here's the thing we think about, you know, wow, God, that must have caught God off guard and he comes up with this plan of sending Jesus and all that. But God, God did not become omniscient at knowing everything after he created the universe. He has always been omniscient. So when he created Adam and Eve, he even knew at that point that they were going to sin, that they were going to fall short of God's glory. They're going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he already had a provision for our sin even before our sin took place. And that's an incredible insight. You say, well, why did God create man if he knew he was going to sin? Well, all of us that have had kids, we knew our kids were going to have messy diapers. They were going to have all kinds of problems. But we long for a family. And God longs for a family, a spiritual family that will be a part of his, his plan, his purpose in the, in the universe. So here's how I know that God knew that uh, Adam and Eve would sin and mankind would sin even before he created the cosmos, before, before he created people. It says this in uh, 1 Peter. It says this, verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He was chosen, speaking of Jesus. Well, let me read verse 19. Uh, let me read verse 18. Let me keep backing up. This is even better. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you, re you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish and defect. Listen to this, verse 20. You don't want to miss this. Verse 20 says this. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for our sake. God chose Jesus as our redeemer even before our sin took place. God is a God who makes the provision even before there is a problem. And uh, the problem is aware. Verse uh, Revelation 13, verse 8 says this, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast and all whose names have not, have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. Look at this. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So Jesus was slain on the cross in, in the mind of God even before the cosmos was created. So here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that God is always thinking ahead. God is always thinking ahead and has provision for you. When you think about, hey, what am I going to do if I lose my mother? Hey, what am I going to do when I get old and I got all my knees replaced? What am I going to do when this happens? What am I going to do when that happens? You, you fast forward in your mind these things. What am I going to do when this happens? I was recently talking to somebody and, and we had a wonderful conversation and uh, we got to pray together and talk about some things they were worried about and, and, uh, and, and they were playing in their mind all these scenarios of what could happen in the future. And I said to them, listen, you don't know exactly what scenario is actually going to happen, but when you get to that place, God is going to give you what you need because God has the solution for you even before the problem is obvious. And so God has a solution for whatever problem we encounter in life, and he just has a way of taking care of us. Uh, I remember uh, reading about Corey Ten Boone. Corey Ten Boone, the great, uh, you know, she was an author. She, she, was, she lived in Denmark, and she went through... Uh, World War II, her, her father, Papa Boone, had a clock store in uh, Harlem, uh, Amsterdam, and they hid these Jewish people in the, uh, the attic, and they finally got caught, but 
Corey was always worried about, you know, what happens if we end up in the consecration camp? What happens if this happens? What happens? And she one day in tears said to her dad, uh, Papa Boone, he, she said, I can't imagine if I were to lose you, what would happen? I can't imagine. I don't know what I would ever do. And here's what he said to her. And she also had the fear. What if I have to give my life for the Lord? Would I ever have the capacity to do that? And Papa Boone says to her, said, Corey, you know, when we go to the train station and we want to take a train from Harlem to New Amsterdam, he said to Corey, he said, when do you need the ticket to get to New Amsterdam? Do you need it three weeks ahead of time? Do you need it four weeks ahead of time? When do you need the ticket to get to New Amsterdam? And she said, Papa, I only need it when the conductor comes. And he said, Corey, God will give you what you need when you need it before it happens. When, you, when you're at that point and you need God's strength and you need God's wisdom and you need his ability, he will give you what you need when you need it. He's, he already has the provision already has the grace for us. He already has the, the insight of what's going to happen, what we're going to need, what we're going to go through. God is going to help us through that time. God is a God who always thinks ahead and always takes care of us. We have, this, uh, we have good friends that we, uh, we visit in Texas, and we, they always put us in this little special uh, room that we stay in when we go down there when I minister in Texas. And uh, it's rooms painted purple and our friends, they, they, know, they know our snacks, they know what we like. And when we, when we get to that room, after we get home from the airport and we pull our luggage down the hallway to the guest room where we stay, and they already have in the room a little basket full of all our favorite foods. They have it all ready for us. And it's, oh, man, it's so nice. We eat all that stuff and gain a bunch of weight. It's just really cool. And, and what's really cool is, is when we come to that spot in the house, it's already there for us. It's already there to, to take care of us. And God has this way of when we worry about what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, God's going to help us to get through that, and he's going to give us the strength that we need. And here's the thing that I know about problems. Problems, first of all, everybody has them. Number two, God, all, God already has the strength or he has the provision or he has what you need for where you are and, and what you're going to encounter. And the other thing is that problems come in waves. Problems come in waves. Problems come and problems go. When you look at the story in Exodus, you have, you have uh, this first test of the famine, and they, that gets them to Egypt. And then you have a long space of time before there's another problem. And then there's this other problem. And so what we know in life is that there are, there are waves of problems. Sometimes we're in between a problem. We're, we're, we're just, we're not having any difficulty. We're not having any problems. And, and then those seasons when we're in between problems is when we are to put our uh, full armor on. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, put on the full armor of the Lord. Uh, so that you're ready for the evil day, it says. Make sure you put on the full armor of God so that you're ready for the evil day. So whatever that evil day is, when there's a really difficult time coming in, we have a tendency to, to wait till there's a problem, then we get all spiritual and we get all prayed up and get all ready. 
But as you're going through these, these times, you have a problem and God brings you through it and you have a great time of victory and everything goes well. When you get in, in that season of peace, that's when you, you get full of the Lord, you read the word, you put on the, the full armor of the Lord. Uh, you've never seen a football player on the NFL, NFL field, you know, uh, have his equipment laying there when the kickoff takes off and he's trying to put his equipment on while the, the football game starts. You have, you get dressed in the locker room, so you get prepared ahead of time. So I was, I was wondering about, I think, was thinking about problems sort of being like the waves of the sea, that you got one wave coming, there's a break, and then there's another wave that comes. And you see that in the Exodus story. You got the initial problem, and then you got this time of peace, and then there's another problem. And so I asked, I asked my son Joel, I said, is there a universal time? He's a surfer, and my son Tim's a surfer as well. I said, is there, is there a universal time um, that one wave, is there like a time period between one wave and another wave period? Uh, so one, one wave, is there like something universal? Is it like 10 seconds? Something? He said, no, there's a variation. And he wrote me this complicated explanation of what, uh, how waves work. And if you're a surfer, maybe you understand this. I don't understand the waves very well, but here's what he said. The intervals between waves vary based on the strength of the swell. So when there's a short distance between waves, that's generally a weaker swell. When there's a longer distance between waves, that's a generally a more powerful swell. It's called a wave period, and it's measured in seconds. Here's an example. Smaller swells might be measured at seven seconds between waves, but a much larger, more powerful swell might be measured at 20 seconds between the waves. Long story short, the interval changes. The longer the interval, the bigger the wave, the shorter the interval, the smaller the wave. So if you've got a long distance between one wave and the next wave, it means that next wave is going to be bigger. If you've got a short, uh, short interval between, it's like seven seconds, you're going to have a small wave. So the, the bigger the break between the waves, the bigger the wave is going to be. So I, I thought that was really interesting. So I think this is kind of like, this is kind of like how life works. And this is why, you know, we have to constantly be ready and spiritually prayed up and, and walking with the Lord in our small groups and, and just prayed up and worshiping the Lord. Because when you get in between those, those intervals of waves, that's when you're preparing for the next challenge that you see God's faithfulness help you through. And that's an important part of how it works and uh, how it goes through. So that's a really, really uh, interesting thing there. Now, I don't know if you're a, a Downton Abbey fan. If anybody watches Downton Abbey out there, Karen and I love Downton Abbey. Uh, you know, we just think it's a great show. We watch it repeatedly at dinner time, and we love the we love the characters, we love the uh, the aesthetics, the setting. Uh, you know, you got to watch it for a couple episodes to really get into it. But we really like it. But the uh, the old the old grandmom in the story is Violet Crawley, and that's played by uh, I can't remember the lady's name at this point. Uh, she's she she plays this uh, she plays the uh, the grandmom. And there's a scene in the movie where she says this. This is, this is profound. When she said it, I just kind of stopped and, and thought, man, this is really, this is exactly right. She said, all of life is a series of problems which we must try and solve. First one, then the next, then the next, and here's the morbid part, until last we die. She said, all of life is a series of problems which we must try and solve. First one then the next, and then the next, 
until at last we die. And so there is this, there's this sense that there are these waves of problems and difficulties in our life <clears throat> that we encounter, that we go through, that God helps us with. But here's what I love. I love this verse in, uh, in 2 Peter where it says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. So when you think about problems, I want you to think about this. Here's the, here's the, here's the uh, dissection of problems. Here's how problems work. Number one, problem, uh, number one, problems are continuous throughout life. Everybody has problems. Every season of life has unique problems. Um, when you're newly married, you have unique problems when you're newly married and you're newlyweds. You've got stuff you're working through. When you start having your kids, you've got, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of, you know, pr difficulties you have to deal with when you have your kids, when your kids are little. Uh, sometimes you're tired. You've got so much to do. And I talked to one lady, you know, she had four kids. She said, I haven't had a vacation since my honeymoon. I mean, she's so busy, you know. So then you got that. And then when your kids become teenagers, then you got a different thing. Then you have the empty nest thing. Your kids grow away. And then you have grandkids. And then your, your kids marry other people. And that brings in a whole different dynamic to your family. And you have those to deal with. And then your parents become older and you're taking care of your parents and you like me you're sandwich you got taking care of your parents and you got taking care of your your grandkids and your sandwich in these worlds and then you have all of these things every season has unique unique challenges but here's what i believe and what i've discovered is that god is faithful to give us what we need in every season of our life so every uh, problems are continuous throughout life. Number two, everyone has problems, as we mentioned. Number three, God already has planned a, a solution before you experience the problem. God has already planned a solution before you experience the problem. And, and the next one, God's solution to the problem develops over time. God is developing the solution. Uh, he's developing Joseph, and he's developing uh, Moses as the, the, the solution is being developed. And when we had the need of, when mankind had sin, we sinned in the Old Testament, and then the original sin came into the, into the uh, human race. Then you have throughout the Old Testament, God is preparing the plan of salvation. So God's solution develop, develops over time. And then, oft, oh, and then finally, the last point is, often it looks like the problem will prevail before the solution is manifested. It looks like you're going down. It looks like you're not going to make it. And then all of a sudden, the solution is there. God has the solution for us. So uh, Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And what he says there is, you're going to have some challenges. But when you have those challenges, I want you to know that I have overcome the world. And I'm in you. And I'm going to give you the capacity to overcome the world. And I want you to say this final thing before we pray together today. Uh, I want you to just uh, say this out loud. I want you to believe it in your heart. I want you to say this. I want you to say, even before I know I have a problem, God already has planned the solution help me through that problem would you lift your hands to the Lord and ask the Lord to help you God's a God of great strength great solutions he's a God who gives us everything we need 
And Father God, we thank you as we, as we go forward into a new week, that as we walk through some of the difficulties, some of the challenges that we are currently walking through, we thank you that you're an omniscient God who sees everything before it happens and that you never panic, but you've already put together what we need for where we are. And we draw on that right now. We do not fear. We do not, we do not panic because you got the children of Israel the food they needed before they need, knew they needed food. You got them the deliverer they needed even before they knew they were going to be delivered. So, Father God, we thank you that you have a plan for us. And we thank you for blessing us in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Amen. We love you guys. If you love the Lord, say a big amen. Let's give the Lord a big clap offering. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness to us. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget to sign up for uh, the Serve Day next week. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.